Boss! 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 Welcome into a July edition of At the Buzzer. We are a Ralphie Report podcast and showing you all the best news from the world of Colorado athletics. Stuff's been going on, I guess, for the last few weeks. Who knows uh, what that is? Kind of low-key, nothing big, nothing seismic shaking the ground in college football. Um, I am one of your two hosts, Jack, on this mic. Over there is your second of two hosts, Sam. Hello again, Sam. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm good. Um, We haven't recorded in a little bit uh, because the off-season, but the last time we we recorded was about two hours before UCLA and USC left the – the conference so i assume that right after we publish this news will break uh that would be hilarious especially because or before i don't even know yeah that would be i i guess right right before we hopped on the mic there was talk of a at the start of a union of college football players um at penn state oh yeah 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 um but we that's that's a little more existential and not set in stone yet so we have to talk about that um, but yeah, let's start with the, the biggest of big news um, in the offseason. Colorado is Jabari once again... Walker winning the... <laughs> okay. Yep, it's Jabari Walker coming off the bench with the Trailblazers as they win a Summer League championship. Thank you. For sure. We'll get to more on that later. Don't worry. Um, yeah, as, as Sam mentioned, we, we pressed the stop button on the recording and then uh, UCLA and USC destroyed the landscape of college football, specifically in the West. Um, so if you somehow have missed this, but you are still listening to this podcast, USC and UCLA both agreed to join the Big Ten um, in the next round of realignment in a few years. And that means that the Big Ten is expanding out to 16 teams. That also means that the Pac-12 is losing two of its 12 members to go down to the 10. Um, and this came out of literally nowhere. So um, there was nothing about this deal prior to it being announced. Um, and this is obviously a huge change for um, I, almost every conference in the league, in the, in the world. Um, so... Yeah, I, USC and UCLA are apparently doing this as partners. Um, UCLA being public and USC being private. UCLA did a little more sneaky stuff to get it done, pretty much bypassing everything they needed to do with the UC system, um, which has angered people like Cal and people like the governor of California as to how they did that. Um, yeah, I don't really know how they did that secretly. I'm a bit baffled. Basically, because, it's just the athletic department do it, leading that, and then file, and now they're doing all the official legal stuff after it's already announced. Okay, um, but it sounded like to me that USC was kind of leading that charge, uh, and they were the ones who wanted to do it. And then once they heard interest from the Big Ten, then they started to rope in UCLA. Um. No, actually, I believe from what we're hearing, UCLA actually kind of led it, um, and USC was a big oh. like part of how they got there because USC okay. obviously is a way bigger brand football-wise, which is what this is all about. This is all about football money. Um, so, yeah, it's it's, but they are acting as a unit. 
um, the irony should not be lost on CU fans specifically that this is Mike Bone, USC athletic director, leading the charge in the <laughs> Big Ten. Um, last time Mike Bone was around realignment, he would, I guess, I don't know if since if he moved Cincinnati into the AAC. I think he did actually do that as well. Um, but he was also at Colorado when Colorado made the shift from the Big 12 to the Pac-12 at the time. There were rumors flying then that the Big Ten made overtures that Mike Bone rejected on behalf of CU. Very funny how that turns out. Oh, um, yeah, really, really dodged a bullet there, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird thing of like, excuse me, Mike Bone was definitely not a good athletic director at Colorado. And it's not like it's just Colorado's <laughs> fault. Um, he seems to have grown in his role as as time moves on. Um, but he was definitely not. Uh, yeah, that was, this was not a strong suit. So um, good for you know, him. Good, yeah, I guess. Good to see him grow. But um, I think the reason why I, I was holding on to that story that I thought I had heard of USC leading the way was because fuck USC. And I wanted to blame them for everything uh, just because, you know, you know how they are. And because I have a soft spot for UCLA and I don't want to be mad at them. No, we should be mad at them. Um, yeah, yeah, so. No, I'm uh, mad at them. But I also have I have a soft spot for UCLA basketball specifically, and not for UCLA football, which I don't even think about. Yeah, the most important thing to note here is that it also keeps the Big Ten's ratio of red schools versus non-red schools and animal schools versus non-animal schools perfect. Oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, so if we look at the Big Ten, they have eight red schools and they have eight non-red schools. The eight red schools being with USC included Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, uh, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. And the eight animal mascot schools being Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, Penn State, Wisconsin. What am I missing here? Maryland, UCLA. Rutgers? No, that's a night. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I, th- I was not listening. I thought you were still in red school. Maybe it's easier to do. I was non- thinking about. Maybe it's I was thinking to do the about human ones. You're thinking. I was about thinking what? about how the Big Ten prides itself academically in the only non AAU school in the uh, the conference. You can probably guess which one it is. Right. It, it is Nebraska. Correct. Um, yeah. So this this also keeps that in because. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Um, yes, the, the animal mascots, I was missing Michigan. So it's Michigan, Iowa, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, and now UCLA. Um, so that ratio stays, lives on. Um, what does this mean for CU? A lot of stuff has been thrown out after USC and UCLA made this crazy move. Um, some of it unrealistic like some Utah writers throwing out that the SEC wants to expand westward and grab some teams no um and some of it a little bit more realistic we've heard a lot of um footsie going on in between big the big 12 I guess as it stands which would be um the as they call themselves the hateful eight of Texas Tech Baylor TCU Oklahoma State Iowa State (laughs) Kansas State Kansas and one I'm forgetting. Which one am I forgetting? Oh no! I, why am I trying to do this off the top of my head? Did it's got to be another Texas school. Did you I say think, Baylor? 
I think it might be Baylor. TCU? No, I said TCU. Um, okay. So it's those eight with the four additions they've added, which would be BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. Um, and then there were rumors that, that the, the, the Big 12 was looking to add the closest geographical um, parts of the Pac-12, which would be CU, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. Um, and that has been one of the more persistent rumors. There was talks also of a, a full merger between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. That is dead, officially. Um, that seems insane. Yeah, just generally. Insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And okay. the other, the other big thing... Dead that was talked about was a, a strange um, half merger between the ACC and the PAC 12 uh, as an all coastal Alliance with basically protected non-conference games. And then a super champ game um, in between whoever wins the ACC and whoever wins the, the PAC 10. Um, and that super champ game basically being guaranteed a playoff spot, um, which is, also strange, but I think it's still technically on the table. Um, all crazy stuff to look about at CU in the in the current landscape. There's been a lot of fun talk about, you know, you abandoned the Big 12 and look where that got you, crawling back to us. Um, in regards to CU, a lot of former or current Big 12 members are, um, I guess, laughing at that reality. So, So my question for you, okay. Who gives a fuck about those last Big 12 teams? Because, like, we're looking at rivalries, and we can get into this more, but, like, we don't have any rivalries with any singular Big 12 teams that are still left. Um, I mean, not serious rivalries as far as I know. Like, I don't think Kansas CU is much of anything. Um, For instance, K-State versus CU, I think, was maybe a little bit of something, but, like, but that's it. But why, why, why would we – we don't really have much to do with Oklahoma State, with Texas Tech, with Baylor, to be honest. K-State and CU seem like more of a player player rivalry. When we talked about this on Twitter, it seemed like a lot yeah. of the former players really responded to that. Um, I guess those were pretty charged up games when um, Snyder and Barnett were in charge of the respective programs. So, uh, But, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of – um, there is history there, but not a lot of like angry history between those. Yeah. Um, even in the old Big Eight rivals with Iowa State and Kansas State, they were just so bad for so long. It wasn't there wasn't much there. Um, yeah, I would say the the big boys for CU when they were in the Big Eight, of course, Nebraska is number one. I would say Oklahoma had some moments there as well, but they were good when CU was bad generally, and vice versa. Um. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, there's not, like you said, there's not too much available. I think Missouri, there is some stuff, but obviously that's not on the table. Um, and yeah, it's I, yeah. I, this is all about TV revenue. So you have to look, and it it sounds like it it really doesn't add much for CU if they did go to that Big Twelve in terms of their payout. It doesn't seem like it would be that bet much better, or even better at all, compared to staying with a ten team Pac ten assuming Oregon and Washington are on board. Um, it sounds like those are about the same TV spots. So see, you can kind of choose what they want that to look like. Um, and then are we, are we certain that Oregon and Washington would stay or would they just be no. kind of waiting for their out? It's because obvious I think that, that they want to go. It's, it's uh, obvious. I mean, yeah. so do we, so does everyone, right? The big 10 and SEC yeah. are going to be the two power centers in college football. Um, 
And if but you if we don't invite, get, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not going to get an invite to the Big Ten or the SEC, prob- most likely, uh, as CU goes. But, like, I understand the, the antsy feat being, like, you don't want to be in the dead conference when it goes. Um, I, I can't really point to any examples, but, like, my first thought was UConn. Uh, but, um, fuck, what am I saying? Well, I mean, the Big East is the biggest example of just people bailing on that conference because it was sustainable. You know, Miami yeah. jumped and Pitt jumped and, yeah. Um, but, no, I think, like, Oregon and Washington, I thought that they were, they were negotiating for larger payouts than the rest of the conference to stay, which – I don't know if it's true or not. It just seems like a pretty big red flag to me. I don't know if I want to be in the conference that, like, the two biggest universities in this situation, like the two biggest earners, I think would be them. And I, I wouldn't really be comfortable with those two wanting out so urgently. Like, that, that doesn't feel stable. Yeah, there are rumors of a... Um, of, the, of those two asking for unequal revenue distribution which is what USC and UCLA were asking for, actually, as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And that would make it a very clear-cut scenario of CU leaving. That would absolutely be what that means. I don't think that's what's going to end up happening, though. Um, And why would CU leave in that situation? Well, because an unequal, an unequal revenue distribution with those two asking for the lion's share of the revenue would mean way less TV money. Um, and let's just yeah. be honest, everything we're talking about here is way less TV money than the Big Ten and SEC period. Big Ten is rumored to be somewhere between 100, it, like almost near $100 million per school, um, which yeah. is insane, right? And everything we're talking about here is like between 30 and $40 million per school, which is still big, but... You know, that's a gulf. Um, and it's it's obvious that it's going, going to be the C- Big Ten and SEC just giving out gobs and gobs of money and you have to be a, a golden child. Or I guess Notre Dame, um, who is rejecting supposed Big Ten conference um, overtures to keep their independence because they're insane. Um, and it, it only works if you have the arrogance and tradition that Notre Dame has. Um yeah, so CU is already in the have-nots pile, and we're just asking, like, what part of the have-nots do they want to hang out in right now? Yeah, okay, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, we're certainly in the have-nots. Um, would you feel upset about leaving the Pac-12 if we did? Like, emotionally? Um, Have you been investing in this enough to get upset? Kind of not really. It sounds like we're leaving with the people I would feel the most upset about not playing again, like Arizona and Utah and Arizona State. Um, so wherever mm-hmm. CU goes, it sounds like they will follow. And that's, I mean, I don't give a shit if CU never plays Stanford again. That's fine. Whatever. That, that was yeah. never anything. Um, same with Oregon State. Like Oregon, I, I love to hate, but so does everyone. And I would find that same school anywhere. Um, and, and I have no animosity towards the, the Washington schools. So it really is just the, the close geographical ones um, that I would miss playing, and it doesn't sound like that is an option, period. It sounds like they are everywhere that CU is, regardless. So I, I think my hesitancy is that I think I 
So I really dislike the Arizona schools, as you know, and I really dislike USC. And other than that, I'm just sort of friendly or ambivalent towards the rest of the conference. Um, and there's going to be specific players I don't like, like Utah with uh, the Bachinskis. Uh, I mean, they had one of the Bachinskis, but um, <laughs> um, I just generally like everybody. And I like it feels like when, I know that we're on the bottom tier of the Pac-12. And it feels like there's a certain camaraderie among the bottom tier of the Pac-12 that I that I really enjoy. And I'm mostly getting at Washington State and Oregon State. I just like their fan bases, and I like just hanging out with those two specifically. Um, and I'm going to miss that if we do leave, especially because I know that they would be fucked. Um, yeah, I think, I think culturally I just like being in the Pac-12 more. It just makes a bit more sense for me, like, it it just feels more of an of a connection to the California to Washington Oregon because like there is that Colorado to West Coast connection more so than there is the Colorado to Kansas from my right. perspective. Right. Well, that's where the alumni base is. Um, it's it's yeah. Colorado, California, and Chicago are like your 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 big hubs with a little bit of Texas thrown in there. So that makes sense. Um. And losing that is losing a connection to those places. That's part of the reason why CU made the jump to the Pac-10 originally, right, is is to get a bigger footprint into those spots. Um, but with the L.A. schools not participating, that trip is gone, and that's a big, huge part of it. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's There's not a lot of tradition to preserve here for CU, and I could see jumping into the Big 12 with Arizona and Utah and ASU in tow being pretty fun. Um, but I also don't – like you said, we are kind of on the newer age, but there's not a lot of – it's not like it's back to the old rivalries. Like there's some of that there, but there's not a huge amount. And I personally would not want to share a conference necessarily with BYU just because the headaches that would cause. Um, or Baylor. Well, that's a whole – yeah, that's that's another level of uh, of of bad. Um, but yes, and I, you know, I love Texas Tech. I think it'd be fun to share a conference with Texas Tech. They're kind of in their own weird little West yeah. Texas island and super rabid fan base. Um, and you know, Oklahoma State would be fun as well. But I don't, you know, trips to Lubbock and Stillwater are a little bit different than trips to Seattle and um, in LA. I don't yeah. know, man. It's it's just. I've- I think that with rivalries are like just who we're in. I think that if we're if we're with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, I think that that will be fine no matter where we go. It's just I think for the rest of the conference, like aside from our cute little pod, if they do have pods, um, I think it would just be kind of a weird nostalgia trip for the first year or two once you play everywhere, and then you're just like, oh. I guess we're kind of stuck with these guys. Right. And no one's really happy about it. Um, well, let's see. I mean, the Big 12 was basically on its deathbed last year when Oklahoma and Texas yeah. left. Um, and it, it still might be, depending. It just seems like they and the Pac-12 are both in bad spots. Um, is there any chance Pac-12 goes for expansion? Yeah. Um, Pac-12 expanding. How, how does that? It would have to be you? for teams that 
move the needle revenue wise per school. So they'd have to add more than what is currently there, which would be tough. Um, The one candidate I've seen thrown around that I think makes sense there is San Diego state. I think San Diego state fills a now vacant Southern California market. Um, They're pretty big, good basketball team, solid football team. Now that the Chargers are out, they're the only show in town. Um, But seems to be a mostly apathetic market to San Diego sports. You know, I, it doesn't sound like San Diego necessarily cares too much about, they don't have Aztec fever. Um, so it technically is a big TV market, but I don't think it actually will pull that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the only one that I think really does anything um, in terms of what we need that expansion candidate to do. You can maybe look at something like SMU, but I don't think that will also move the needle. Is a weird fit as well. Um, UNLV is nothing. CSU is already duplicative of no UNLV market. I don't know. I don't think there's they're that big. I don't think that same thing. Vegas market is huge, but that's super saturated. I don't think UNLV pulls that much. I mean, it'd be nice to have a team finish twelfth in the conference for football every year for the next eight years, but. <laughs> Um, it's true. It's, it's an easy the, the, the Las Vegas market does not work, you're saying. Because that not, seems like I, where things are headed. And UNLV does have some history in a city without very much like established sports teams. Right. But I don't think that they bring in the Vegas market. I think the, the okay. Raiders will now. I think the Knights do now a little bit more. But I don't know. I just don't think it's... Uh, I don't think they can actually pull it. Like it's it's like saying that CU CU does technically have the Denver TV market, right? Like that is something technically that Colorado could offer. But I live here, as does, I'm sure many of our listeners. I don't think that's something that is realistic. Like there are a lot of non CU fans here. Um, I think what actually is more attractive for someone like the Big Ten, if they were to look at CU, is the fact that there's so many non CU fans here. Um, there's a huge market of Big Ten fans <laughs> in Denver that would yeah. probably like to go to a game close to them. And, like, that's something that the Big Ten might want to look at and be like, this is a large market of engaged fans. If we bring in CU, you get CU plus the, like, insane amount of, like, Illinois and Minnesota fans that moved to Colorado, right? Like, you know, it, that's something that probably exists. Um, but CU is probably mm-hmm. also pretty far down the chain if the Big Ten was looking. I wrote an article about this. If, if the Big Ten was trying to gobble up all the Megas teams before the SEC could, and they were trying to get to 24, that's not going to happen this round. But CU is, I think, in that in that group after this round where they get scooped up by 24. Assuming that the Big Ten keeps their AAU-only membership clause, um, mm-hmm. you, keep, you bring in Notre Dame. That's obvious. That's going to be the next step. No matter what, who knows how long Notre Dame can stay independent. But whenever that stops, that's when the Big Ten adds them in. And then with that, you bring in Stanford, who technically has the San Fran market, sixth largest market in the country. They don't, but they say they Fake. do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a Notre Dame rival. So that's easy. AAU member, boom, done. Now you're at 18. If you get to 20, it's tough because you would assume Oregon and Washington are up there as well. Mm-hmm. And you'd assume that Kansas is also up there. Um, so I don't know if CU is necessarily there, but definitely getting a 24, especially with someone like Kansas, CU makes that cut into the Big Ten. 
Um, you then you start also looking at schools like Arizona, which is an AAU member. That shocked me, I know, um, but they are, and uh, and um, <laughs> okay, sure. they are you know good athletically, pretty good, pretty big market. Sometimes it shocks me that CU is AAU. It's not that hard of a uh thing to reach um it's yeah, really just I'm like just do you spend the research dollars and do you have a med school then you're good um Nebraska oh yeah no fine then. Fit, fit that criteria um but yeah I, I think that's like i don't know i think cu is actually pretty attractive to a lot of different conferences or big 10 and big 12 um due to what they can technically bring in tv market wise due to a successful history in football with a successful most of your support you know, I don't know if people realize this, but last year I think CU was like third in the Pac-12 in attendance, which is crazy because CU was not good last year. Like CU, if they were good, would absolutely be selling out games. Um, and that's something oh, yeah. to think and, about. Yeah, and they they the all credit goes to the student section again last year. They were they were so and good. this year, I don't know if you saw, but yeah. CU they've never sold more tickets faster than this year. What Damn. the hell is that? Like there is a latent interest in Colorado sports yeah. that we are not tapping into because we suck. And I'm sorry, that's I guess that's mean, but like and you know, if we just were another reminder, goals, come on now. And another reminder that 2016 was just fucking great, right? For fan, like the atmosphere comes back. Everybody's talking about it on campus. Like it really does matter yeah and uh, another thing to look at with this is the, in the pack 12 cu's fan or stadium is probably middle of the pack um capacity wise rose ball is obviously number one um but they're also ahead of a decent amount of state stadiums martin stadium and wazoo mm. is tiny research stadium and oregon state is tiny um and utah stadium right Not with these is, new renovations they can't afford <laughs> well no i think those are for more expensive seats and less cheap seats um, oh okay oof I think they're actually kind of a similar to whatever Oregon Stadium's called. I'm blanking. Um, but in the Big Ten, awesome. CU would be at the very bottom. They're not last, but they're close. Because um, you have these massive people movers, like the big house, which is just ridiculously big. And they have the horseshoe, which is also huge. Kinnick is like 70,000 in Iowa. Like, and, and, and you're missing the biggest stadium, too, in Penn State. No, no, no. Big House is bigger. Big House is like the biggest stadium in the really? world. Yeah. That Okay, hang on. Go ahead. But keep talking. And Penn State's huge. Yeah, Beaver Stadium is pretty big. Um, so they would be on the smaller end of that. Um, oh, you're right. Which is not – I you know, this is driven by TV contracts, not necessarily attendance and how many people you can put in your stadium contracts. But it's something to keep in mind. Um, you were correct by 1,000, by the way. So I was, very, I was off by 1,000. You're welcome. I'm still right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This whole situation is crazy. I, I still think the most likely scenario is that CU, at least for the foreseeable future, sticks with the other nine in the Pac-10 and maybe brings in one. It would be interesting to see if they brought in San Diego State and something like Gonzaga as a basketball-only member um, would be mm, something. Mm-hmm. But uh, That'd be nice. I think that's the overwhelmingly most um, likely scenario. And the second most likely being that they, they move to the Big 12 with, with three other schools, um, which would be an amazing basketball conference and uh, would put CU squarely middle of the pack football-wise, um, which would be fun. Not good, but fun.
What else we got? Uh, I guess along those lines, you know, we've seen, you might have seen headlines about a few regions meetings happening. These are informational meetings. These are not take action meetings, Uh, but still good to see that they're on top of this for the most part. Um, Seems like they're getting prepared for a potential move. Um, And yeah, and and Tad Boyle has already commented on the loss of the LA recruiting market and basketball is a pretty big thing um, that he's hoping NIL will help mitigate. Um, But that is, that is the reason that is a huge problem that the LA schools are gone and there's no games in LA yearly for football or basketball. Cause that was a huge tool for kids in LA to come to mm-hmm. a place like Colorado, knowing that they could come back to visit their families at least once a year. So, um, yeah. Are there any other LA teams with a football team? Uh, there's that school that was in last chance. You, I think is in LA that football school. Yeah. Any D one. Because <laughs> all the LA schools I can think of just don't have either are not FBS or don't have a team at all. Let's try to get UC Davis and Dan Hawkins back into to uh, FBS football, baby. The same in a mural. I think I think he deserves another chance. Maybe he's grown like Mike Bone. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I think he was ahead of the curve making his players do yoga um, in two thousand five. Yeah. That's something that is probably common practice now. It, his problem is he was too early. Speaking of intramurals, um, Jabari Walker uh, has just picked up a championship. It's a meaningless championship, but it's still one. <laughs> uh, summer League champion, Portland Trailblazers. He came off the bench, was fantastic. Did you watch any of his highlights? Uh, you know what I actually did is I lurked in some Blazers internet places just to see what people mm. were saying and, and they fell in love. So I saw some like blocks and dunks, um, but mm-hmm. mainly I just saw overwhelming praise. Yes. Yes. Uh, Blazers Reddit specifically is head over heels for Jabari Walker. Uh, I saw somebody said that he was going to be better than Jabari Smith. Uh, the number two pick in the draft. The number three pick in the draft. Um, but it's because it's because Jabari Walker has apparently, I don't know if we knew this, he is just incredible at doing all the little things that make a good team go. And I don't really know if we actually got to see that much because he was either a sixth man who would just gun it off the bench or was the go-to scorer who was more focused on getting his own stuff going but right now on the blazers he instant energy every time he sets on the floor um i'm watching his been, highlights right now oh okay all of his shots are completely within the flow of the offense he's like making pretty much everything he's putting up like he's, he's hitting everything at the rim he's making really good amount of threes um offensive rebounds good job good defensive rotations he's just not making any mistakes and he's not pressing and he's not being a little ball hoggy. Like he's, he's doing nothing wrong. It's just great to see. Um, yeah. You know, I think we did see a lot of this at CU. I mean, his rebounding at CU was disgusting, yeah. especially on yeah, the yeah, offensive yeah. side. And that's just effort and hustle. And he does a really good job with that. And instinct. Yeah. Um, yes. He's a very instinctually smart player um, too, but 
I, I what I did not expect to see was the this level of defensive, like you said, defensive effort. And it's not necessarily like the um the highlight play defensive efforts that's crazy. It's it's a, appears to be the fact that he's just like rotating hard and like making sure that if he gets some, a pick on the pick and roll, he's going to the right guy. And like, you know, that's all that's mm-hmm. the stuff that keeps him in the league for a while. Um Yeah, and really, I think it's the stuff that he was like learning this stuff kind of as the season was progressing and he was getting better and better. Um, but still, like, he's so quickly improving that he's a better player right now than he was when we last saw him by like, a good, good amount. He definitely seems like he's a he's a great fit for the NBA game. Um, it seems like the fact that his dad was kind of a journeyman NBA player has helped him make sure that he has the right attitude. He's not trying to, like, like you said, just be the guy who's like, I'm going to get all these shots that way someone can sign me. Seems like he realizes an easy way to have a long NBA career is by being an easy teammate to play with. Um, yeah, he had so. an interview where he talked about that he was trained as a kid to become a role player. Yeah, that's something that doesn't happen unless your dad was a role player for a long time, yeah. right? So it's <laughs> just crazy. Um, I'm happy for him. It sounds like he already signed a full contract for and for someone who's in the late second round. That's super rare. That does not happen yeah. that often. He is a yeah. guaranteed a roster spot at the beginning of the season um, mm-hmm. on a 15-man NBA roster, which is like, for the 57th pick, that's crazy good. Um, yeah. So, so it's a three-year, $4.7 million contract, full guarantee first year, partial guarantee second year, non-guaranteed third year. But it's a great contract. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. In the draft. A lot of money for a, tw- a 19, 20-year-old. 20, 20 so... You like? I mean, it, I'm so happy for him. I'm glad that it worked out. Betting on himself. I wish we had a full year of dominant senior, junior year Jabari, but I, you know, five million. Well, we had a full year. Of, we had a full year of dominant sophomore year Jabari, though. Yeah, I know. Don't get greedy. Yeah, so it, it's it's great to see him. I was hanging out with someone on Blazers Reddit, and it is they, they are they are fully on the hype train, talking about him. Um, so some of it joking, some of it half joking. Um, but yeah, they, they, they already love him and he seems to be a good fit. Um, yeah, he also, like, he has a good path to playing time because they have Jabari or Jeremy Grant playing at the four. And then after him, it's just like, they don't really have any proven NBA players after behind him. It's just Greg Brown, the third, who is not very good. Trendon Watford, who ended yeah, up being like, the, like the center Trendon Watford. He's a like power forward center. He's like six eight, six nine, and then Jabari Walker, and then Drew Eubanks, but he's more of a center, and they don't have a backup center. So like, out of all the playoff hopeful teams in the entire NBA, in in the West, they probably they have the least amount of depth in the front court. But they do have Damian so. Lillard. Yeah. Also, why, my guy, why did the Knicks? Buy Jalen Brunson and then trade for or trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, because the Knicks don't plan things. It seems like those are the same exact players, but Mitchell's just better. But they're both tiny guards. Yeah, I think the idea is that <laughs> Mitchell can play better defense because he has like a six foot nine wingspan, so he's like bigger than his being six one. But he has also not played defense since he was at Louisville. Well, why would you when you have Gobert? Just let him play defense. Uh-huh. And then let Gobert get 
take all the criticism for your team sucking on defense in the playoffs. Sounds like a great move. Yeah, sounds like a great locker room culture, especially when these guys are sniping at each other in, in press conferences for three years. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know you grew up rooting for the Jazz, but I'm happy they're self-destructing. I am less and less. I mean, it's it's. I'm now now that I'm in Denver proper and have been for a while. I'm definitely on the Nuggets bandwagon. It helps that they have the MVP and the coolest player of all time. Uh, but the other part of it is <laughs> yeah. figuring out how and the coolest player of all time. So it's Jokic and Facundo Campazzo. <laughs> I don't think they have Campazzo anymore. No, he's uh, not coming back to the NBA. Yeah. That guy is back. I think it's Jokic <laughs> and Bull Cruz back in the day, aka Juancho Hernan Gomez. Did he sign? He's on the team most. Yeah, no, he he's bounced around. He was no, he yeah, he he he's bounced around. I don't know, man. Once I figured out how much of an absolutely terrible person uh Carl Malone is, I, I became less of a jazz fan. Because I loved the ah. stocking to Malone thing. And then I and then I heard about all the crazy stuff that Carl Malone did in Louisiana. And I was like, yeah. oh boy. Uh, if I can help uh-huh. it, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use that as my exit, and now I'm just a Jokic guy. So, I, I I think that's fine, and I think that you have every right to be a Nuggets fan, and it's okay. It's also okay to have two teams because I have two teams. I'm Blazers first and Nuggets second, and I barely uh, have one NBA team. So, no, I know, but it's it's actually quite hard for me to not root for the Blazers even when I want the Nuggets to win, like. Even if I think it'll be more for them, but um, what else we have? Oh, we have some not so good news to wrap up. Uh, mm. If you want to, a CU Hall of Famer passed away, uh, Charles Johnson, the receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fifty years old. I don't know if there was a cause or anything. Like I, I don't. No really cause of death has been found and, yet. He was he was found in his hotel room. Um dead which is shocking um and he was working as a as a assistant football assistant at a high school yeah in, i think he's the assistant yeah um and it sounds like yeah he was with like uh tory holt was out there working with him as well the former receiver um yeah but he was it, it's super sad story and charles johnson is obviously a buffer life was a first round pick one of the best members of the super stacked early 90s teams um Played for the Steelers for a while and had a good run of it outside after his professional career was over. You know, he's doing good things. So um crazy, sad. Um and and obviously we are thinking about his family right now. Yeah. And uh I, I, I never saw him play. I really haven't seen much more than just a few highlights. But I know people were arguing that he was the best ever CU receiver. Some people um, have, yeah. When we did that huge CU yeah. thing a while back, um, you know, just like a lot of those receivers back then, because of the way the offense worked, there wasn't too much stats to go around. But his were definitely not that bad. Um, and he, you know, it was, it was him and Westbrook at the same time. That was just crazy. Back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Yeah. Which in the '90s with that offense is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was the, they were unbelievably stacked, and Charles Johnson was obviously a complete physical specimen. Um, so it's unfortunate to see uh, to see it end this way. We we wish him and or we wish his family the best. 
Um, there's a few other things I briefly want to touch on. There's some really quick CU basketball recruiting notes. Uh, 2023's okay. class is going to be tiny, but Tad has now publicly mentioned a few times in interviews that he wants it to be a, a quality over quantity class. Um, and, and the thing I mainly want to mention here is that the state of Colorado in basketball recruiting has probably never had a class as good as the one in 2023. Um, probably close to 2014 with Josh Perkins and Don Colley, or was it 2012? I don't remember. Uh, the one with Perkins and Collier was really good too, but this one's amazing. So technically next year, and it won't exactly be this, but technically next year we have – um, four guys who are all four-star to five-star. So you have Bayfall, who is the number one ranked center in the country, period, um, who is not going to go to see you. Yeah, um, because what 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 AAU team is he at? He's, not, he's, he's, in a, he's in something called the Accelerated Schools, which a few of these players are. It's oh. one of the new basketball academies in Denver. Um, and I don't know uh, what AAU team he's on, but he's, he's a national, the most national of national recruits, as you would expect. Okay, got it. Um, so he's going to be like, you know, Arkansas is a pretty big name for him, people like that. Um, next up running underneath him is Asane Diop on the same school, another four-star, the 11th ranked center um, in the country. He has publicly put CU in his top eight, and CU seems to be in a pretty decent spot there. Um, so that's going to be fun. See where that ends up. Um, and then you have Bay and Dongo, who is a really high three star, is going to be a four star in a little bit. Power forward for another prep academy in Denver. Um, he is a little, he's blowing up now. He's a little bit on this back end, but a lot of Pac 12 schools are in on him, like about half the league. Um, so, and then finally, you have Caden Betts, who is playing it down in Pueblo, and he's already committed to Minnesota. Um, so there, like, there is a bunch of talent in the state this year, and that also doesn't include, oh my God, what's his name, Calvin Booth's son, who's playing at Cherry Creek right now. Um, Calvin Booth, Sam, as you might know, works for the Nuggets. He as the GM. Yeah, I thought he was familiar. Kerry Booth is his son's name. Um, Kerry Booth is getting some nice love from CU. Sounds like Georgetown's maybe poking around a little bit. I'm just reading this Denver Post article really quick. Yeah. So, hugely deep in-state class for basketball in 2023. And I'm betting Tad is going to prioritize one of those. He hates losing in-state kids. Um, so, we'll see what that looks like. And then on the football side, we can keep it in-state for a little bit. Uh, CU finally got – I shouldn't say finally, but CU got another commit in the 2023 class from a uh, Cherry Creek kid. This player is of uh, uh, Hank Zelinskis, which is a just a classic offensive lineman name. Um, or a tight end name with Joel Klopfenstein and Quinn Sipniewski. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. It's one of those fun uh, European names that just he's like, yeah, you know that guy's going to be big. Um, yeah, Zelinskis had, had some nice offers from KSU. CSU is in there, Nevada. Um, this is all according to 247. UCLA snipped around a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's, he's playing at Creek. He's an interior offensive lineman. Um, and that, that makes 16 commitments for Colorado, which is insane. Um, they have slipped in the rankings so far. They're 40th in the country right now, um, which actually is not too bad comparatively to the last 10 years. 
but uh, you obviously want that to be near the top 25 range. Um, other teams have finally passed them in the Pac-12. So Washington's up at 18 commits, which is insane. Their class has to be done or close to it. Arizona's up at 17. Um, and in terms of average rating, CU is actually still ahead of a few different schools. So they are ahead of Wazoo. They're right in line with Oregon State, head of Arizona State, who's just gonna, that's going to be tanked after the Herm Edwards decision is made, NCAA-wise. Um, so, you know, CU's recruiting is, is hanging in there, and it slowed down a little bit through the dead period. Now that it's ramping back up with visits, I would expect a few more commitments, and it's going to be a pretty big class. So um, not as big as last year's, I don't think, but pretty big. That's good. Uh, I don't know what else to contribute, but... <laughs> Uh, I, if you're optimistic, then I'm good with being optimistic. This case um, seems good. This new you know, I, it's, it's, I, I, I'll just say that I'm Carl Durrell's recruiting better than I expected him to. Um, okay. And yeah. All right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm done. Bye. Buzz. Buffs! Buffs! <laughs> Buffs! <laughs>